0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: Has believing in a myth ever held you back? On this episode, I'm going to shatter seven myths that bog down new hunters. Hey and welcome to another episode of the New Hunters Guide, the podcast and YouTube channel helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. I'm your host George Kanidis and today we are shattering seven myths that bog down new hunters. And there's lots of them, I didn't say it was the seven, it's just the seven that we're going to look at today. I actually may have a bonus one in there as well, we might look at eight. But these are things that hold back, that bog down, that hinder, that keep people from starting or that keep people from being successful or that keep people from enjoying themselves or any other number of things. So let's jump into it. Number one myth that bogs down new hunters is I need all the gear to start or succeed in hunting. I need to have all of the gear now guys this couldn't be further from the truth in a lot of ways you can't even pick the right gear until you've been hunting you don't know what works good for you you don't know what you enjoy you don't know what fits your style or your goals you know The goals of a trophy hunter are different than the goals of a meat hunter, which are different than the goals of a recreational hunter, which are different than the goals of someone who's trying to have fun with their kids. These are all different goals. They're going to require different strategies. They're going to require different gear or different types and sets of gear and exactly what you need in terms of... You know, what are the main pieces of gear that you need? Vary based on goals, but the, the, the smaller variances are very based on your style and your preferences. You know, say you want to use a tree stand for deer hunting. Well, there's a lot of different kinds of tree stands. You may, may be right for you and your goals to have a tree stand, but it does not, you can't pick which one without some experience, some paradigm. If you've never sat in a tree stand, here's what I can almost guarantee you. The first one you buy is not going to be one that you love. You just, because you're not going to know what kind you like, what features you like. You're going to do something to get started, which is why I usually recommend guys. And if you've listened, this is probably something that sounds like a bad record by now after a hundred and some episodes, close to 200 at this point. And that is this. Whatever you're looking to buy, usually get the cheapest one you can get. Used or new, try to get the cheapest one you can get if it's your first time, first thing. Often I say that with your first firearm, your first tree stand, your first set of clothes. Get something that can get you into the woods, that can get you started, that can get you some experience so that you can learn what is good, what you like about that particular kind of thing, uh, so that when 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 you finally you know come up to it and you realize, okay, this is what fits my preferences, then you can go and buy whatever really suits you. I've used this example time and time again. If you're gonna buy a new gun, or you need a gun to start hunting, the best first gun you can get to hunt deer with, or turkeys with, or pheasants with, or waterfowl with, or armadillos with, the first gun, the the best gun you can get for all of those is this. The gun that you can borrow or buy used the cheapest. That's the best first gun. Oh, excuse me. I blew up my own saying. I got it wrong. I'm sorry. The, The best first gun for all of those is the one that you already have or could borrow or buy the cheapest. That's the best one to start with. The one you already have, or can borrow, or can buy, use the cheapest. That's what you start with because you don't know what you even value to go further. You know, if you want to start hunting waterfowl, for example, don't go out and buy a $2,000 shotgun. Get the cheapest, or borrow, or whatever you can get a single shot, get a bolt action shotgun, whatever you can get that you can borrow for free, or that you can buy used cheap, get that, get into the woods, do some hunting, and then you will learn what matters to you, what you enjoy, what's important for the sport, what's important for success. And then after a season or a couple seasons, you can get something that really fits you and your preferences, and it can be a good purchase And then if you borrowed it, you give it back. If you already had it, you're out nothing. If you bought it, you use cheap. You can often sell it for close to what you paid for it. And you're out nothing. And you were able to use it for that period of time until you figured out what you really needed. Number two myth. All the advice from famous people is good for me. It is not. Guys, it is not. It is absolutely not the case now, I'm not just being cynical here and saying that you know famous people are are out to get you and give you bad advice, and people will believe anything they say just because they're famous. Some of that happens, but what I'm really getting at is their advice is going to be based on their experiences, their objectives, their goal, their habitat, their experience level, and their interests not yours. So if all of those things for you, you match them in all of those points and you can check off and say, yeah, it's the same. I hunt the same places they do. I've got the same goals, the same experience, the same objectives, the same interests, um, all of that. Then yeah, their advice may be very good for you. But most of the time, it only partially applies and you've got to look through the weeds and pick out okay what from this applies to me and where I hunt and all the other factors you can't just swallow things hook line and sinker and this one goes very closely with number three if it's on YouTube it has to work it's got to be true right it's on the internet well no that is not the case and I am on YouTube I have made many videos and plan to make more, and I can tell you as a video maker that even though this hurts my own interest of growing my videos, not everything on YouTube is true. Not everything on YouTube works. Not everything on YouTube is real. Not everything on the internet in the broadest sense, blogs, articles, forums, it's not all true. You know, a lot of the videos that you watch, these guys did 10 hunts. They were out 10 times trying to get this deer or this turkey or this whatever. Every one of them failed. And on hunt number 11, they tried some goofy thing and it actually worked. And they got that recorded and that's what they make the video out of. And then you come and look at like, oh, well, these guys are so successful. Every video they have, they're killing something. Well, their success rate might be terrible. You don't know. But they're only showing you the videos where they succeeded. And at the same time, they they might just be showing you some crazy thing that worked because they're selling something. Or they're getting sponsored by somebody. You don't know. Don't just swallow it. Get out into the woods and see what works. number four tradition means effective this is just not the case tradition doesn't just because it's tradition doesn't mean it works just because people have been doing it just because everybody says this is what you do or how you do it does not mean that it works does not mean that it will work for you tradition is not always effective Some of the worst advice I've ever gotten was tradition. People believe for years or decades, this is what works, this is how you do it, this is the better way. No, guys, don't just swallow it hook, line, and sinker. Prove it out. Look, test, evaluate, use your brain, study, research, whatever you can do to see what really is going to work and what is going to work for you. Number five you need to be hardcore to have fun i did an entire episode on this a while back how the hardcore hunting mindset or philosophy damages the sport this couldn't be further from the truth what's fun is what's fun for you if you like the idea of hunting 15 straight days all day long going all out at full bore living out of a tent eating bark and berries and whatever you can scrounge and that's what you should do if that doesn't appeal to you you should not let anyone hold you to that standard and make you feel worse to yourself for not doing that and, and not calling you a real hunter because that's not how you approach the sport what's fun is what you enjoy do what you enjoy not what someone else enjoys or even worse what someone else tells you you should enjoy Throw that garbage out the window and go after it. Number six, it's okay to not subscribe. Guys, this is a massive myth and misconception. It is absolutely not true. You need to subscribe to this podcast and you have to go to iTunes and leave a five-star review with a comment. It's just the best way to grow the program to reach more people and help more hunters. You got to do it. You got to subscribe. It really, no, but for real, number six, experience Trump science. I hear this on a regular basis. Well, this has been my experience. You know, this happened three times, so it's got to be true. Well, there are always outliers. There are always variables. There are also flat out lies. And there are people who see things through different colored glasses where that's not really how it happened or how it went down, but that's just how they perceived it. Regardless, a lot of times what people say is true flies in the face of science. And I, I don't just mean like, you know, oh, science is, you know, all high and mighty. I mean, you've got documented, demonstrated evidence again and again this is how this animal behaves, this is how this works. Um, You know, people say all kinds of crazy stuff and you stop and say, well, now, hold on. That doesn't make sense. You know, there are people who are convinced that, you know, you don't want to be upwind of a turkey because that turkey will spook because they can smell you. Well, no, we've got science. We know about the nose capabilities of a turkey. We know what they can smell to a, a fairly good degree of accuracy, and we know that there's almost, if not absolute zero chance of any turkey ever smelling you and it affecting anything in the hunt. But you've got somebody who will say, well, they had a turkey downwind of them and three times and they spooked it all three times. Well, first of all, maybe it was downwind, maybe it wasn't. Maybe they're just thinking it was. Maybe there was no wind that day. Maybe there was contrary wind. Who knows what was really happening, but that's just how they perceived it. Second of all, what else was going on? Maybe that turkey heard you walking all three times and spooked. Maybe it saw you all three times and spooked. Maybe there was something going else all three times and it spooked. Maybe it was something different every single time because turkeys are not that easy to hunt or sneak up on and you spooked the turkey, but you come up with this theory that it was they smelled you. Well, no, we have science. We've got a lot of research. We've got demonstrated evidence of the capabilities of their sense of smell, and that is probably, if not 100% impossible. Now, that said, there are some times, we don't know everything, we're people, nobody knows everything about everything, But regardless, tradition doesn't trump demonstrated evidence that has been repeated and verified again and again with regards to biology and and ecology and animal habitat and all these things. If you can study it, if you can research it, if you can test it, if you can prove it out, do that. Don't just go with someone's hypothesis. Number seven, there's nowhere to hunt nowhere to go, can't find a place, can't go hunting. Guys, this isn't true. There is public land available within an hour's driving distance of almost every person listening to this episode in America. There is public land within an hour of almost every person listening to this episode. There are opportunities, there are places to hunt. Now, Maybe where you're at, you're in one of those kind of states or situations where there just isn't. There is no public land within reasonable driving distance. You'd have to go out of state, or you'd have to drive a day, or, well, no. There's, I don't think there's anywhere in this country you'd have to drive a day. But you'd have to drive further than you're willing to drive in a day. Well, there are many private land opportunities that you are not aware of or have not given enough credit to for years i put off my best private land opportunities because i thought oh it's just too small the land's too small there's not enough room there can't hunt there it's not big enough and then lo and behold even after after having you know places of public land i now know about where there's thousands of acres that little tiny couple acres of private land has been my best places to hunt but would have never known had I not learned, had I not gone in, had I not worked on improving the habitat and and realized, okay, you know what? I was missing it here for a while because I was thinking it just had to be bigger, had to be more. Don't turn down small opportunities. Now I've done episodes, how to find places to hunt on public land, how to find places to hunt on private land. Go back, listen to those episodes. There's lots of tips in there. There's things you can do. But most importantly, there are places you can hunt. Some may be within walking distance of you. You just never esteemed them. You never thought to ask. You, you, you thought, well, it's not, it's not big enough to even be worth asking. Those could be the best places. And often, those are the landowners. They only have 10 acres. Well, there's probably not a lot of people lining up to knock at their door. They're probably not sick and tired of telling people, no, you can't hunt on my 1,000 acres because nobody's asking them. But if you ask them and you know them because they're your neighbor or whatever the case may be, a lot of times you will get yeses or you will get uh, approvals with conditions. You know, a lot of times people, even if they do hunt, they only hunt one or two things. So maybe they only hunt deer and they hunt deer on that property. So they don't want you hunting deer there. Well, maybe they only hunt with rifle, but they'd be okay with you hunting in the early season or the late season with a crossbow or a vertical bow, whatever the case may be. You know, maybe they're okay with you being in there in September and October, as long as you're not in there during December or November. Or, and this, guys, is a huge opportunity that people overlook. Listen to me now. This this is worth you listening to the whole episode. There are people that hunt deer and they say, no, you can't hunt deer on my property because I hunt deer here. And they hunt in the rifle season. Okay, well, rifle season's over. I don't know. Pick your random date, December 10th, whatever. Middle December, your rifle season ends. Well, ask if you can hunt the late season in archery. Ask if you can hunt there in January. They've already shot their buck. They've already shot their deer. They've already done everything they want to do. They may care less about you coming in the last few weeks of the hunt, but it may be within walking distance of your house. So they would have said no if you ask, can I hunt deer there? But if you say, hey, can I hunt late season archery after you're done for the year and you get your deer? They might be very well say, oh, no one's ever asked about that. Yeah, yeah sure. Why not? So do not let those kind of opportunities pass you by. Number eight bonus myth. You need someone else to help you get started, whether that's hunting for the first time or going after a new kind of game. Guys, you do not need another person to give you permission to to help you come into the sport. Sure, it helps. If you have the opportunity, take advantage of it. That's certainly an easier path, but you don't need to do it. You've got the new hunter's guide, if nothing else, 180 some episodes be 200 before too long of how to break in to every kind of hunting i i feel like i could possibly give you insight into and as i get more insight into more kinds i'm gonna add that into and every now and then some people say you know george why don't you do some episodes on this why don't you do some episodes on that and sometimes it's just that you know i've never hunted caribou in alaska i haven't thought about it hadn't never gone there haven't done it But I have been known to go out and find people who've hunted other game, get them to come on the show and and give us insights of things I've never even been able to come close to. Other times there's things I just don't have the time. You guys may not realize it, but I usually have every episode sketched out as much as a year in advance. And I'm trying to fit more episodes in. Just you've got deer hunting and turkey hunting and you've got duck hunting and goose hunting and predator hunting and dove hunting and woodchuck hunting and crow hunting and bear hunting and there's elk hunting too. It's like, I don't know how to fit more stuff in sometimes. But every year I'm trying to add new things to get those in. But the bottom line is you do not need to rely on someone else. You can do it. You can study. You can learn. You can get out into the woods. You can get experience Once you have experience, then you can build on that experience, and you can digest content better now that you have a frame of reference. You can learn more from studying now that you have context after being in the woods, and you can do better. You really can. You don't have to rely on someone else. You can get out there. You can do it. You can carve a path, chart a course, pick your favorite idiom, you're able to do it, and you've got support. You've got an internet worth of resources and chances are there's something in this channel that's going to be able to help you. Something in the New Hunters Guide that you're going to be able to draw from and and that can support you as you go. So guys, I hope this is helpful for you. Please go ahead and hit subscribe and head to the website newhuntersguide.com. Check out the show notes and lots and lots and lots of other episodes about hunting and all different kinds of hunting. Till next time, I appreciate you. God bless you, and go get them in the woods.